Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 334, The Power of Professional Networking Memberships for Real Estate and Design Professionals, with founder of Brick and Wonder, Drew Lang. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM specifications, and so much more for free at RCAT.com and Gusto, easy online payroll benefits and HR built for modern small businesses like ours. Drew Lang, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Mark, thank you very much for having me. I look forward to the conversation with you. Me too. Me too. I think this is going to be a, a great conversation. Uh, Drew Lang is the principal of Lang Architecture and the founder of Brick and Wonder, a membership community that connects and supports professional leaders in real estate, design, and the built environment. Drew is originally from New Orleans, or New Orleans, as they say in New Orleans. Um, he received a Master of Architecture degree at Yale University, and he currently lives in New York City. Uh, so Drew, I just gave a little very, very brief overview of who you are and where you've come from. Uh, I'd love to dive a little bit deeper into your story, talk about your origin story, talk about where you discovered architecture and what inspired you to become an architect, uh, and, and share your, your journey, your origin story. Sure, I'd be happy to. Thank you for that, Mark. 
So I grew up in New Orleans, and in retrospect, I can say that it was formative for me. It's a visual place, a, a, a sensual place. The thing that I think about most uh, when I think about New Orleans now um, is the vegetation and the way that the vegetation um, relates to the built environment there. Uh, there's this really um, palpable um, competition almost between nature and uh, man there. And yeah. of course, during Katrina, we all saw that manifested. Um, you know, I saw it manifested growing up with all the vegetation growing all, all over the buildings and, you know, people trying to prevent that from happening. Um, so, 18, I went away to college, went to Middlebury College in Vermont, and I studied literature. I didn't know until the end of my stay there that I wanted to delve into architecture. What, what happened is I came to the end of college and I, I felt the need to make a decision on, about a professional direction. And uh, it was a bit of a rational decision. Uh, which is, I think, different than the way most people arrive at being an architect. I knew that I was a visual person and wanted to do something in the visual realm. I was also very drawn to business. And, um, and so architecture is where I arrived. It made sense to me, this marrying of the creative and, and the business realm. And so what I started to do is audit architecture classes and they're mostly architectural history history classes um, and as I did that uh, it felt right it felt good um, it felt natural to me and so I went on from there and I had three years between college and architecture school which was a test for me because it's a big decision right going back into graduate school spending the time and the money to do so and entering into into a profession. So I had three years of, of, of testing the waters in Los Angeles and in New York, about 18 months in each place. Um, I ended up at Yale, and that was a great experience for me. What, um, what I take away from there is a, a, a lot of great things and a lot of great relationships. The, 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 the most formative teacher I had there was Deborah Burke. She was and remains very important for me, very influential. Um, I went into architecture, um, architecture school, thinking um, the architect makes big gestures, and came out of school um, hearing from the likes of Deborah Burke, um, thinking about it differently thinking about it in, in more modest terms and more everyday terms to use her word and, and, and Stephen Harris's word. Um, they wrote a book called The Architecture of the Everyday. Um, so um, I ended up working for Stephen Harris, um, actually went to Deborah after graduating from architecture school and asked her for a job. She wasn't hiring at the time and said, um, I think Stephen's hiring, go talk to him. So Stephen Harris is someone else who teaches at Yale. And um, I worked for him for five years, which was a 
terrific formative experience experience entering into the profession um and after that i launched my own firm so when i launched my own firm i knew that i wanted to do a mix of client work and development work self-generated work um the form that the self-generated work took the first years I was in practice was back in New Orleans because it was an easy point of entry for me. I bought properties, renovated them, and sold them. Um, about a dozen of them over a period of seven or eight years. And one at a time, I did it um, in a way where um, they were all self-funded and I didn't have any partners other than uh, people in my family who were there who helped me with logistics because I wasn't there on the ground. I was doing all of this remotely from, from New York and flying back and forth. Um, fast forward to um, uh, 2007, 2008, coming up on um, that financial crisis. I had built a firm with a small handful of people, small handful of uh, client commission projects, um, and was doing a mix of, of development projects down in New Orleans. Well, um, 2008 hits, and um, we slowly dwindled down to nothing, literally. And um, I think I was finishing up one development project um, in 2009, at that point, all of our client work had dried up and um, I had laid off, sadly, everyone in my office. I was back to being just me. Um, at that point, um, it was a crossroads. What do I do? Um, either go big in, in the development direction that was the choice I was facing. The client work had dried up, or um, I closed the office and um, and go get a job uh, in a larger architecture firm or or, or somewhere else. Um, and I decided on the former. I decided to take a big leap and do a, a a larger development project, and that turned out to be the best decision. I could have made, and the crisis of 2008 turned out to be a really significant gift to me, uh, because I, I in all likelihood wouldn't have taken that big leap, at least not that quickly, right? Um, so the large development project I did is called Hudson Woods, and at this point we're, we're finished with that project, it took us total of six or seven years to complete that project. It's 26 homes in the Catskills on 130 acres. And it was significant success for us. It was a significant success in many ways. We, we delivered nice returns to our investors. Um, we um, garnered a lot of attention and, and um, drew a lot of new opportunities to us in the form of client commissions. 
um, and grew the, the 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 architecture studio back into a very vibrant place with with um, ten people in it. That's where we are now. And um, what we're doing is a mix of client commission work and development work at this point for clients who come to us and ask them to help them with their development projects. Um, now, it, we can get into how Brick and Wonder happened or uh, go in a different direction. Yeah, we'll, let's. We'll I, I have so many questions about the story up to this point. We're definitely going to talk about Brick and Wonder because that's something that is very interesting to me and I want to talk about it. But I'm also fascinated by your story. Um, I love the idea of, uh, of starting small with development and building, you know, doing those flips, buying houses, renovating them, turning them into something that's more valuable and selling them in order to get started with, um, with development. And I think a lot of architects uh, want to take that leap, right? And, and want to take that small opportunity. But the thing that I really want to focus on is your restart that you said you dwindled, the, fir the firm dwindled down to nothing. It was essentially you. You had to make a decision between closing the doors and going to work for somebody else or restarting and then deciding what to do with that restart. You had the development experience. You knew that that was something that you enjoyed doing um, and had this decision to make. The reason I want to focus on that is because that's going to happen in the next year or so with thousands of architects. With this economy that's heading our way, uh, there are going to be many, many firms that dwindle down to nothing and many, many people who lose their jobs. Um, and when things come back, and they will come back bigger and better than they've ever been, many, many architects, thousands of architects throughout the world are going to have to be in that position that you were in uh, of, of deciding what to do. There's going to be a restart. There's going to be a global restart like we've never seen before because we've literally stopped the world. We're going to have to restart it and everything is going to be different. So everybody's going to have to make decisions. And so I wanted to just go back to that decision with you, uh, Drew. And what did you do when you were at that point? You were at nothing. It would have been easy to just close the door and go work for somebody else. But not only did you restart, you restarted big. A, a development of 130 acres, 26 homes. Obviously, that takes investment. So you have to go out and talk to people and raise money. And that's a huge thing. Coming out of a, out of a massive recession to, to make a decision like that and go big, I wanted to just talk a little bit more about the mindset that comes with that. So talking to the architects that are preparing for this, that there will be a reset. Um, what type of advice would you say that you could give to those people who are listening to us right now? Well, it, it, everybody needs to make their own decision, of course, and ultimately be at peace with their decision. And the, the, the question for me was whether or not I could come to a place that was that mindset shift, okay? Because I was in the doldrums, right? Yeah. I, I, I was in a really bad spot uh, and I was in that spot where nothing was coming in the door for many months. Um, I had a small child at the time and a very, very nervous wife who was asking 
uh, why aren't you shutting down? Um, right? It didn't make sense to her. Um, there's no business coming in, so you don't. Therefore, don't have a business, right? So pressure is coming from many directions. You know, to reach deep inside myself and, and of course make a difficult decision. What I found as I as I thought through it and went out there and explored options is I kept coming back to this idea, this vision, this dream of doing a larger development project, something I really, really wanted to do. And um, the risk was real on the one hand. On the other hand, it was an abstraction in, in, in the way that the future is always an abstraction. You know, all you can do is project to it and you don't know what it's going to end up being. But I was excited about that. I was energized. And I think that, you know, the question for people, whatever decision they're making, you know, coming out of this crisis or sort of whatever juncture they reach is what's the place that you really want to go? Yeah. What, what, um, what's what's allowing you to come to a place where um, there's a meaningful shift, a meaningful shift in mindset, right? You mentioned mindset, and I think that's the key. You know, that's what allowed me to do it. And I was, once I decided there was n no going back, I was all in. And I gave it my all and followed through on every last detail of the project, that's what we do as architects. That's what we're good at, you know. Um, architects are are very detail oriented. I was I was very careful to identify the things that I knew I wasn't good at and couldn't do directly myself, and very quickly, very early on, reached out to other people. You know, that's that's the other key, I think, for people. Um, when they're doing difficult things, when they're making big leaps, is not to try and do it on your own. I mean, there's no way I would have ever succeeded if I tried to do everything on my own. I reached out to a lot of really smart, capable, um, giving people, it turned out. And, and, and thankfully, I found that there are a lot of people out there um, very anxious to give their time and their expertise and help. And they, they um, um, you know, they did so graciously and, you know, continued to do so through the process with me. So, um, yeah, you know, look, it's, it, it's, it's in a way one of the easier decisions I've ever made. And, and um, like I said before, I don't think I would have made that decision. Most certain I wouldn't have had the crisis not occurred, had it not been brought to that juncture. So I'm excited about the current crisis that we're in, Mark, because yeah. it's going to um, bring me in certain ways to junctures where I might not have arrived otherwise. It's going to bring a lot of other people there too. And, and out of that will come a lot of interesting opportunities, you know? So I'm, I'm really interested to see where we go and what places architects go with this, right? There's so many skills that architects bring to bear, right? And it's, um, it touches so many things in the world, so many disciplines 
um, building touched everything, you know, and as architects, we know more about buildings than anyone else. Um, we're in a really unique position. I think there are a lot of people out there that are in a very, very unique position to do a lot of important work right now. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I, I am too. I am too. And that's, that's sort of strange to say as we're sort of working our way through this pandemic and, and the fear and the anxiety that comes along with that, we're all feeling that. Um, but, but I encourage you who are listening to think that way, to think about the future in terms of opportunity and to, and to look at, at the future as this amazing gift and this, this opportunity for us as architects. People all around the world are going to be looking for solutions, right? The whole world is going to change the way we, we do everything. Build, the way buildings are, are experienced is going to change from the health situation, so there's opportunities there. There's this whole work from home thing that that's not going away. That is a permanent situation. It will obviously go back to brick and mortar and and work from home. But that is a, a permanent change in our society. There are massive opportunities there for architects. And so and I've said this before in past past episodes. Don't wait for those things to come. Start developing those ideas now and build the ideas and the infrastructure there to 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 start providing those services when those people start looking for them you will be there to be able to pro provide those things um, and so thank you drew for sort of uh, going through your mindset shift and your uh, your idea of, of coming out of the last recession uh, with this big idea and taking the leaps and 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 risks to follow the thing that's inside you is saying this is where you need to go and sometimes, that's what you need to do. You need to listen to what's what's inside and follow that. And I hear, you know, people <laughs> make fun of me because I hear voices, but there's something taking me on a path and I just keep going. And Entree Architect is a perfect, uh, a, um, a perfect example of that. What Entree Architect has become is because I've just followed the path before me. I just keep moving in the direction that I think I should move. And I just keep moving and growing and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and more positive. We will return to our conversation right after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, Gusto, and Arcat. I know what it's like to be an entrepreneur architect because I'm a small firm architect too. I know what it's like to wear all those hats. And some of those hats are great, but some, like filing taxes and running payroll, not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses like ours. Fast, simple payroll processing, benefits, and simple management tools all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your taxes so you don't have to worry about it. And when you're ready to add on that health benefits or that 401k for your team, they can do that too. Easy, no stress. Those old school clunky payroll providers just aren't built for the way modern small businesses work. But Gusto is. So let them wear one of your hats so you can do better things, like being an architect. Members of the Entree Architect community receive three months free when they run their first payroll. Try a demo today and see for yourself at gusto.com slash architect. That's gusto.com slash architect. Free for three months. Gusto.com slash architect. 
unless you're working for one of the top architecture firms in the world, you know what it's like to work with limited resources. But there's one resource that you can access no matter what size of your business, rcat.com. RCAT is a free solution for your building product information needs. They offer BIM objects, CAD details, specifications, and a lot more, all directly from leading manufacturers. Research building products and get the information you need all in the same place without paying a cent. So visit RCAT today at RCAT.com. That's A-R-C-A-T.com. Set them up in your bookmarks or your favorites and make them a regular part of your project workflow. They will help you find the information you need fast and easy and free. That's RCAT.com and let them know that Entree Architect sent you. RCAT.com, your complete source for finding, detailing, and specifying building products. Gusto and RCAT. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. I want to talk about uh, Brick and Wonder because I think that also um, uh, is a result of all of this, right? So you've, you've grown the firm into Lang Architecture uh, and, and you've, you're doing all types of work, focused a lot on development, but you're working with other clients who are doing development. Um, and so where did Brick and Mortar fit into this story? Uh, brick and Mortar, Brick and Wonder, fit into your story, uh, how did it come about and, and why did you launch it and what is it? Mm-hmm. I know that's a lot of questions. Let's start with the beginning. What is it? <laughs> sure, sure. Well, li- like Entree Architect, it is a community, um, community of professionals that includes architects. Um, where it's a little different is that it's uh, cross-disciplinary and it extends across what I think of as the real estate equation, um, from the business side all the way through to the creative side and back again. So our community includes 40 professional verticals, from real estate investors and developers to real estate brokers, um, real estate attorneys, lenders, all the way to architects and interior designers photographers, stylists, marketing specialists. And the, the reason why I formed a community of this kind is because I, I found in, in doing the work that I've done, most specifically our Hudson Woods project, which was an end-to-end project where I had personally all of these touch points across the real estate equation that um, the, the success I achieved was entirely due, due to the alignment of interests between people, um, the coming together of people successfully in collaboration with one another. You know, and of course it didn't work in every case, right? Um, and when it didn't work, it was when that alignment wasn't there. And so why I formed the Brick and Wonder is um, to help both myself and my colleagues um, in, a, in a formalized manner come together um, regularly over time and align our interests 
share information um, and help one another grow our businesses. Okay, so we, we do a number of things together. We, we, we exist together um, um, every day in an online community. And then we, um, prior to coronavirus, came together physically with one another in, in sessions. Um, currently, we're coming together online in Zoom sessions um, in the form of workshops and roundtables and panel discussions, different formats that, that, that promote dialogue, that allow people to meet one another um, and go away from those sessions and continue dialogues along the lines of shared interests. So um, you know, the, the cross-disciplinary aspect of what we're doing is really meant to lead to the different kind of discussions than people would have otherwise. The work that we all do naturally um, intersects, and I'm interested in those points of intersection and bringing them, bringing them to bear, um, bringing them to the surface where they might not otherwise, you know, so. It's, it's such a great idea. It, it is such a great idea because that world, our, our world that we, we work in with all these different disciplines, um, it's very often in conflict, right? There's very often there's, there's this uh, exploitation of one another. In order to get ahead, we're sort of stepping on somebody, someone else. And the idea of bringing all of these different uh, design professionals and real estate professionals and investors and support and all of everybody who is involved in the built environment together uh, to not only learn and to have a community and to share knowledge and, and, and you know, network and do all the traditional things that we do in networking groups, but when you bring them together on a regular basis, friendships are formed and relationships are formed. And when you build a relationship and you build a friendship, you earn trust and you have knowledge of one another and that exploitation goes away right now you're you're friends with them you have a relationship with them you look for ways to help support one another uh, and the entire community starts to grow and starts to blossom i love that uh, you've developed this this community both online and that you're meeting with one another and doing those kind of things i think it's so important um, and i hope that it's super successful i hope that uh, when did you when did you launch it? How long ago did you did you launch? Well, we just relaunched. We've tried um, a few different formats. We we started initially two years ago, and um, when we initially launched, we launched broadly, and with, with with the objective of of bringing these these values and this way of engaging one another um, to everyone. Who wanted to engage with each other in this way? Um, alongside getting together in person, we, we launched some custom software that we built, um, which is essentially a project marketplace where we published project opportunities mm -hmm. that the members could come forward and express interest in or refer out to um, other colleagues in the community or even refer outside the community to someone. Um, the, 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 the tests succeeded, the initial tests in some ways, um, but they failed in others. And, and, and the, 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 
the main way they failed goes to something that you just mentioned, um, is they went, um, people's relationships went um, to a place that was too transactional, yeah, which was right. exactly the place that we, we, we were trying to avoid. Um, we're trying to bring people to a place where they build alignment and they build meaningful relationships with one another over time. And from those relationships come not only trust, but come opportunities, right. um, come new projects, um, and, 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 and the growth of, of people's businesses. Um, you know, of course that can happen simply through transactions, um, one at a time, but that's not where my interest lies. And so, um, because the test failed along those lines, we, we reset and we relaunched, um, as a much smaller group with, um, more filtering. Um, so we very carefully yeah. filter, um, applicants, um, the, 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 the founding group invites new people in. And then when p people come to us from the outside, um, they fill out an application. that's pretty extensive application. Give us quite a bit of information about themselves. Then we, um, we qualify them in, um, one of the members of our membership committee gets together with them in person or, or on the phone or on a video session for, a um, a 45 minute call and, and we get to know each other and we ask a series of questions and, and feel out whether they're a fit for, for, for our community. Right. Um, eventually I do hope we find ways of broadening the community and bring, bringing these, these values and these ways of engaging with one another to a, a broader place. But for the time being, we feel like it's important to, um, to remain small and to grow slowly and set ourselves up for success. So today we're a hundred members and we're, 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 we're very intentionally distributed evenly across professional verticals. So no one profession, um, outweighs the other, right? We're, we're, we're very much in balance. We feel like that's important, um, in order to keep people's, interest um and also um maintain the community at the level of relationship building and avoid um relationships that are based on a transactional dynamic yeah it's that's fascinating because it, it's it, when you launched broadly you you did never built the foundation that that you just let everybody in but there was no nothing to sort of hold it together and by sort of relaunching and now building a foundation with a few strong members that with a very specific intent of why you're bringing these people together, um, you can then build a foundation that can support a much wider uh, uh, community and then also be able to bring back the software and the transactions because it sounds like the first launch was built on transactions and then the, you were hoping that the community would follow, but it never resulted that way. But by reshifting re your focus on the community and building the relationships, now you can bring back the uh, the transactional piece of it with a stronger you know uh, connection among the members. Sounds that's that's right. That's right. I mean, here's the thing: we we all know that transactions need to occur. 
we're, we're all in business, right? And we need to close business. We need to get to that transaction, so to speak, okay? So we knew from the outset that, that community and relationships were going to be the heart of what we were doing. What we were testing at first is whether or not we could have transactions out front right. um, in, a, in, in, in a transparent um, platform where everybody could see all the activity occurring around the transaction, right? Um, together with community dynamics and people building relationships with one another, right? And um, that, that's what failed. You know, it, 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 what, what succeeded fortunately um, were the community aspects of what we were doing. This is what people loved. Um, the in-person gatherings and 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 um, the, the the meaningful connections that people developed is is what was most appreciated and what people clamored around and wanted more and more of, right? And so, as we've relaunched, that's the place that we've focused. And you're exactly right. We've we're 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 building the foundation right now, and 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 we won't. Um, shift gears and 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 move into um, um, you know other other aspects of of our larger ambitions until we've built that foundation until we know um, the values have been broadly embraced by our members and the you know the initial part members of the community um, and and we're in a, a really strong place to take our next steps. Yeah. Yeah, and right now, as strange as it sounds, it may be perfect timing that that with with the downturn in the economy and the sort of the uncertainty before us, people are looking for community. People are looking for people that they can connect with and trust, and and uh, and so people are looking for places like Brick and Wonder and Entree Architect and and other places similar that you can, you know, just go and be you know, human with another human uh, and out of that relationship, help one another succeed through opportunities and transactions. Um, so I love the fact that you've reset and restarted. Uh, I think restart is a theme that we are bringing to Entree Architect. That's something that we're focused on right now and sort of rebuilding the, the membership and a lot of the content that we're creating with the idea of starting and restarting that architects are going to have an opportunity in the next few years uh, of having that that opportunity like you had with with Hudson Woods and that decision that they're going to make um, and and following that dream and those passions that you have as architects um, to start and restart and so uh, it's exciting to hear your story drew uh, with both Lang architecture and how you restarted Lang architecture and then again with brick and wonder sort of starting brick and wonder and then restarting brick and wonder um, it's a theme that I've heard often in the, in the last year or so with architects who have reached success talking about that previous recession as a turning point, as a tipping point in their careers and the opportunity that came with getting small again and being able to restart and rebirth their firms and their, and their businesses in a new way. And so it's very exciting to think about the, the future of, of the opportunities that architects are going to have. So thank you for coming by here and, uh, and sharing your story here. 
My pleasure, Mark. Yeah, very happy to. Really love what you're doing. And I, I, I know people come to you every week, um, sometimes every day, I'm sure, for um, a refresh, a, a, a restart, um, to get re-energized. I mean, as you say, these um, junctures that we reach that are um, at the moments of crisis with the Great Recession coming out of 2008 and right now in the midst of coronavirus provide these natural junctures for a reset. But we know that we as human beings need resets on a regular basis. You know, it could be a reset every Monday morning or, you know, a reset every morning that you wake up or, you know, whatever the case may be, everyone's a little bit different. But stasis is not good for anyone, right? Not good for human beings, it's not good for businesses. And um, I know what you're interested in and we're, with Andre Architect and what we're interested in with Brick and Wonder is, is providing people with this forum for energizing themselves and doing so together with other people because it's very hard to do it on your own in yeah. isolation you know we can all sit and stew in our own thoughts um we'll only get so far we can very easily get stuck um coming together with other people and sharing ideas um and being vulnerable with each other i mean we're, we're very very interested in providing a safe place where people can come um, lay their cards on the table, um, um, talk about real problems that they're facing or real ambitions that they have, right? Yeah. Um, lay that on the line um, and learn and grow, right? Th this is what we're interested in. Yeah. Um, the ambitions, and, and the ambitions sometimes are harder to talk about than than the problems. That's right. That's right, because you're, you're putting yourself out there. You're putting yeah. yourself at risk, right? Um, when you talk about things that you that you strive to do, well, then you're on the line. Right. You're on the you're on the line. You have to. Um, you're being watched. You're being tested. You know. You're being held to account yeah. now for achieving those things. And I think that's part of the gift that these groups you and I are forming give to people is is this holding to account right. that that the groups bring. You know. People can hold one another to account and they can push one another towards success, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that push-pull dynamic can be quite, quite, quite positive and something that we all find ourselves needing, um, you know, in a different cadence, but everybody on a somewhat regular basis, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Drew, before, we, before we, we wrap things up here, I wanted to ask you, um, what is one thing we talked about a lot of different things and there, there's lots of value here and people can take away many, many different things that they should start doing today in order to get somewhere for tomorrow. But what is, if you had to pick one thing, one thing that a small firm architect could do today to build a better business for tomorrow, what would you say? Can I give you two things? Yeah. Well, yeah. No. <laughs> um, find good people and ask them for help. Um, that's one thing. And the, the, the other thing is um, identify um, a risky place to go that's aligned with an ambition that you have um, and go there. Go there, whatever that might be. Um, and 
um, I, I, I think it'll take people's architecture practices to a, a different and better place. Yeah, uh, the challenge has been presented. <laughs> take, are you going to accept that challenge? I, I agree with you. I think not only will it take you to a better place, it'll take you to a better mindset. Because when you are going towards something that you think is better and something that will make the world a better place, your whole world transforms. And so that advice of sort of looking to the future and saying, well, what can I, what can I do and how do I get, get there? Um, well, first of all, it will take your mind off all the other stuff that's sort of eating away at our minds, right? And so uh, it'll give us something to focus on that's positive and, and will make the world a better place. So thank you for, for reminding us about that, Drew. It's, that's an important thing that we should be doing and, and great advice. Uh, Drew Lang is his name. You can learn all about him and his architecture. You should definitely go to his architecture firm's website, langarchitecture.com, langarchitecture.com. Beautiful website, beautiful architecture. Uh, Hudson Woods is there. You can go see all of the, the work that they've done over there. And if you want to learn more about Brick and Wonder or apply, brickandwonder.com. Uh, that's where you can find all the information about Brick and Wonder. He's on Instagram at Lang Architecture and Brick and Wonder, so go follow him there. Drew, this has really been a great conversation. I think uh, we have a, a new friendship. I'm looking forward to talking to you again offline uh, because I think that you and I have very similar missions and, uh, and look at the world in very similar ways. So thank you for joining me here today at Entree Architect Podcast. We, we are kindred spirits indeed. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me. Really appreciate it. You are listening to episode 334 with Drew Lang of Brick and Wonder. So what did you think of this episode? I, I really want, I want to know your thoughts. This is, this is a, a request. Head over to the show notes at entrearchitect.com slash episode 334, entrearchitect.com slash episode 334, and share your thoughts. I want to know. Post them in the comments or post a review on iTunes or wherever else you are listening to this episode right now. Almost every platform has a place where you can share your thoughts uh, with the world and with me, and I will read them. How am I doing? How am I doing lately? Do you like the guests that I've been inviting on the show recently? I'd like to know. What do you like? What don't you like? Don't hold back. If you don't like something, I want to know that too. This show is for you, and I want to serve you more of what you find most valuable. So I want you to let me know. And if you like Entree Architect Podcast, I want you to go visit our new home at Gable Media. There are several more shows, other shows that I think that you will love. Arcaspeak, Spaces Podcast, Build Your Brand, Troxel, Practice Disrupted. They are all there. We're all there at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And there's more shows. There's more shows coming. We're developing some new stuff, some 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 new content, both in video and audio, um, some from some from names you know, and some from who from people who will probably soon become favorites on your playlist. Trust me. So if you are dedicated to building a better world like we are, then come join us at GableMedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-Media.com. Be well, my friends. Be healthy. Be happy, safe, and secure. Love, learn, and share what you know. Thanks for listening.
I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. (laughs) So for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.